Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. Dennis Ndumbi is very many things. He is a, <laughs> a security analyst, a political commentator, uh, faith. Okay, what are you in, when it comes to faith? Reverend. You are an ordained reverend. Ordained reverend. Sorry. Ordained in uh, which church and denomination? Newbridge City Chapel and uh, M International Ministries. M International Ministries. Mm. Okay. So an ordained priest. What else are you? Nairobi businessman. Husband, father, <laughs> brother, friend mm. to you and many others. <laughs> uh, Kenyan citizen. Mm. Yes. Well, good. Dennis was one of the complainants who filed a petition against the IEBC commissioners. And this led to the formation of a tribunal to look at the conduct of the four IEBC commissioners. We know that three of them decided to resign before the commission, the, I mean the tribunal, started its work. One went through the process of the tribunal, the Michalula Tribunal, and Irene Masit has now been removed from office by the president. Dennis, we welcome you to the Kenya's Biggest Conversation. Thank you very much, Eric. You filed a petition. I did. Against the four IABC, former IABC commissioners. Correct. Another story today in uh, the standard page 11, mm -hmm. Ruto sacks Masit as Shimal's appeal of decision. The president did not have, did not wait for the 30-day window uh, forwarded to him in sacking electoral commissioner Irene Masit following recommendation by a tribunal that he formed to investigate her. According to a Gazette notice that was shared by a State House spokesman, Hussein Mohammed, it says the appointment and tenure in office of Irene Cherob Masit as member of IABC is terminated with immediate effect. This was yesterday. This was, of course, after the Mchalula Tribunal sat and um, uh, presented its report to the president. Mm. The other three had left office. Correct. Let's talk about the entire your petition, particularly. Yes. Mm. When you filed this petition, what issues were you, did you have against the commissioners? Uh, thank you very much, Eric. Uh, indeed, it, it was a rigorous process. And uh, I happened to be part of the entire electoral process, the entire campaign process, the entire electoral process. And um, I happened to do some uh, training for agents um, uh, with the National Democratic Institute. And therefore, was quite conversant uh, with the laws or provisions that are required to be met by whether whatever um, practitioners or functionaries or luminaries within the entire electoral process and i was in bombers every day uh, expect one which i was overwhelmed and i needed to sleep and recover and uh, what i saw through the entire process and even before uh, the electoral process contravened everything that the constitution specifies on how elections should be run other than the fact that the voting day was quite peaceful, but there were nefarious plans that were put in place to set off uh, 
certain things that uh, would get us in uh, as, as a country into some places and some spaces that are outside the law mm. and whatever is outside the law then requires political solutions and then that's how we get into the questions of handshakes uh, partnerships that are not uh, necessarily good or useful for the country will peace you realize that i did a, a bit of research and i realized that in africa kenya has had repetitive permutations that set us off into war and into some type of stability i looked at ethiopia they had a process in 2005 they resolved it nigeria 2007 i mean of course nigeria is back there now zimbabwe 2008 ivory coast 2010 gabon 2016 but when you look at kenya 2007 uh, even back in 1997 2007 2013 2017 2022 essentially peace in this country only happens within five years and when the electoral cycle comes then we have a political instability or political risk that is introduced into institutions by political players who don't want democracy to survive or thrive but want their will to survive and thrive mm -hmm. and so i had an obligation and I looked at the process. I was in Bomas. I was both uh, an eyewitness and an expert witness because I was there all the time. I was part of the electoral process. And I said, if what I saw in Bomas is not corrected, what I saw through the electoral process is not corrected, then essentially this country will never recover from anything whatsoever. Indeed, what happened this time round was supposed to set us off in a worse tangent than 2007 because I saw it with my own eyes. Mm. Truly speaking, I don't think we would have recovered from it to date at the end of the day. Why? Because the country was so fragile economically. There's hunger. We're looking at a, a military that has, has been run dry from the war in Somalia. We're looking at a police force that had become killers and assassins at the end of the day. There was no institution that would have held us together for less than two years. By the time we get to we got recovered 2007 we had a bit of strong institutions at the end of the day the military would have come out and supported us at the end of the day mm. but when you look at it 2022 was we are looking at a country that had hit the laws of the laws mm. it was in icu and so when you plug off the oxygen from anything that is in the icu we were likely not to recover why and i'm we, telling you the truth why didn't we head to that in that direction we didn't How head into that direction sincerely let wow. me tell you something i have great respect for men of integrity and i'm telling you the truth anybody can say what they want to say but if we do, did not have the man called chebukati this country would have burned down i realize the strength of one integral man can hold a nation you don't even need 17 of them you need one guy like chebukati consistently and this country will be saved let me ask you dennis you talk about the fact that uh, the reason why you went or rather why you then uh, petitioned uh, for commissioner irene masit then to be sacked was because you felt as though there was a you know you know electoral mishaps and that this having seen the pattern over the last 10 20 15 years is you wanted to now see how these things could be overturned all right so mm -hmm. now the tribunal sat its course she has then been sacked essentially mm -hmm. 
do you feel now that electoral mishaps have been solved by virtue of this petition having gone through so essentially what happens is that the entry of the four commissioners uh, was a late entry into the commission and their entry was essentially facilitated by a cabal of politicians elite politicians who wanted ibc to rule and judge in a particular way the evidence is there the report that has been given by the muchalule tribunal which i was i was uh, a tribunal witness uh, number one uh, then afforded for a lot more information on what happened the plans that were set on that other day when you look at my petition which um, by the way this was was one of the one of the most painful fights i have ever picked i had no idea that there was such darkness in ibc and i had no idea that uh, my life is going to be a risk and many of those things and i can tell you it's by the grace of god that i'm alive today when you look at um, what i put in my in my in my petition the functum of the petition the facts and the fact that i laid based on the constitution i relied on my presence within the electoral process and chebukati's affidavit at the supreme court which was part of a winning uh, a case at the end of the day and what i wanted was to lay base for the ibc to come and testify on exactly what happened on matters that we didn't see and i couldn't see there's what i saw but there's what i didn't see at the end of the day and i wanted to lay basis for ibc to come and tell kenyans what exactly happened why did you split why did i suddenly see people at uh, serena and you know that the drive by the way the drive between serena and uh, bomas is is on that day because there was essentially no traffic is around about seven minutes but the media was said the podium was said everything else was said is that there was a plan that was in place what i saw at bomas in fact what i saw there you know many many of the days we had issues but we didn't know that it was going to come to this Dennis, so what i wanted is, is yeah. essentially a truth a truth to the fact that was there a plot to sabotage and overturn the will of the people and if that was there we need to hear it okay and when so, we hear it then actions must be taken okay, and so, those kind of people must never hold public Dennis, office again so you previously had said the reason why you were doing this was to show that there are electoral mishaps in the country correct correct now you're saying yes that you did this so that people could know exactly what happened at bomas Ab absolutely I, I want to know is it one or the other or is it a combination of the two so there there was a lot that happened within our electoral process that is part of the seven things that should be looked at we had uh, uh, a voter buying the chiefs were involved earlier on they used relief food to take away ids there was vote suppression even before the, the elections happened what you saw in bombers was a tip of the iceberg in terms of the nefarious and dark plans that were planned against this nation to suspend the democracy so what i'm saying is that the tribunal and my petition in parliament was merely dealing with the removal of office of this officer mm. so that we can have other integrous kenyans who come into place there was a ruling by judge mrima and the ruling by judge rima found fault in the selection panel of ibc at the end of the day and 
parliament took this up and say for as long as we don't correct the selection of the ibc officers then we will always be given people who can be controlled by politicians rather than uh, sticking to the fidelity of the constitution mm. and parliament took that and they amended now we have a new selection panel in place so there was almost for about two years things that were set in place to make sure that the electoral process failed including the police including everybody else bombers we didn't we didn't have have an effective command system the police for two days i couldn't leave bombers because i was subject to kidnaps at the end of the day you were kidnapped at bombers? we were subject to kidnaps two of two of uh, some young boys there were kidnapped at the end of the day some 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 guys never found their way uh, to life again and 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 so this is just a tip of the iceberg the removal of office of these people when you look at uh, the judge muchalule's uh, recommendations in fact it's saying that these people need to face the law but essentially we are looking at strengthening institutions and processes mm. this country its shelf life can never be five years that we are looking at progress and every investor that comes into this country because i'm i'm in security i can tell you majority of the companies always want to fold up within five years we can't have a country whose life uh, sh shelf life is just five years and they have no idea what's going to happen after the next uh, uh, you know you know you know five years mm. we can't have a country where it is the rule of uh, politics rather than the rule of law we can't have a country where institutions are not strong they are run by weak men who can be controlled and bought by anybody mm. so this president is supposed to be a warning that uh, the problem that we've had in this country and if you look at transparency international transparency international say that of all the years that we have funded the fight against corruption we've never won why because of something called presidential immunity the disease has always been that all major corruption cases in the country have always survived because of presidential immunity. They've always emanated from the presidency because everybody thinks that if Eric is employed in an institution, he thinks that if I do any wrong and I'm, 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 I'm aligned to the president of the day, You're nothing safe. will befall me. Okay. You're safe. But this then is a precedence that means that one day that president will go and one day you'll have to face the law. One day you'll have to look at the reality of what you did mm. and ask yourself whether it was good or whether it was bad. And at the end of the day, we can't just stop at the removal of office. We have to look at the entire system. We have to look, look at the entire system. So let's use your experience here. So you were trained by the National Democratic Institute. You were integral to the UDA campaign, right? Were you an agent? in this election i was i was i was not recruited by the uda to do anything what were you doing in the election i was the elections i was i was an analyst at the end of the day and i'm just a political player okay at the end of the day so you didn't have a role that you were playing i didn't have a role uh, in the uh, entire electoral process in uda and ibc in any party not in any party but you said that you observed several things happening correct even before the election itself yes you observed things that were not going right correct some of those things that you've mentioned you are alleging that there was vote suppression correct and vote buying yes you witnessed this with your own eyes i did this is before the election before the election. elections and on voting day did you notice anything that on, was... the, on the voting day essentially mm. what i i vote in langata so i went and voted and i did a few laps mm. i had a team of about 50 mm. 
Um, and this team was basically going around and uh, uh, you know uh, giving feedback on you're a team of 50 what analysts because you are an analyst uh, just my team that i deploy basically to give information when you're an analyst mm. you need to collect information you need to know what is accurate what's what's happening so what were they were they accessing the polling centers as observers as media what i had uh, first of all i trained a team of uh, observers from mm. the eak mm who were around about, I think, plus 1,000 at the end of the day. I trained presidential agents. So these are contacts that I had across the country, you know, uh, and, and, and essentially there was information. Oh, so there was somebody else's team, but there were so your there contacts. was somebody else's team, but also had my team that I had deployed, mm. and especially to look at matters of uh, security and safety and, and give me information that I need to process. And if I need to process, then this information needs to go. On voting day, what information did they give you? So on voting day, essentially it was absolutely largely peaceful okay and uh, the counting process was peaceful mm. you know essentially the steps um, the steps that are there mm. and we didn't have any issue the damage was done before the voting day and at the tallying center at the presidential tallying center that's where the issues were mm. our safety nets that we had were basically essentially through the kms kit and the process that the, the electronic uh, transmission process offers us. Mm. Our transmittory process from registration to voting to transmitting gives us a safety net to be able uh, to to exchange what uh, what 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 has been posted mm -hmm. uh, by the returning officers or anything of the sort mm -hmm. versus what has been transmitted chebukati opened the server so anybody could take a calculator and calculate whatever it is that they need to see so what mischief was in bombers so the mischief that was in bombers mm -hmm. number one was the fact that when the results were known that the results were not supposed from my end what i saw mm. as an eyewitness mm. that when they were not favoring the azimio side mm. then the azimio side wanted to stop the announcement of the elections mm. and they branded bombers as a crime scene mm. that's number one mm -hmm. number two what they did is that they completely went to uh, against uh, they went towards the person of chebukati mm. they wanted to hurt him and injure him it was extracted by officers then they did a press conference i remember it was some azimio politicians mm. they did a presser just right outside um uh, the bombers get but three days prior to the announcement we who are in bombers were subject to kidnaps and we couldn't leave at all we slept in bombers for a few days it was chaos to the fact that gsu was busy at about 1 a.m to 4 a.m chasing goons from the compound of bombers bombers itself was supposed to be taken over mm. three days but before the, before the announcement so the electoral commission that was in charge of bombers correct was doing its work as Absolutely. all these things were happening yes the registered agents for the presidential candidates were freely traversing the area yes Observers such as yourself were in bombers peacefully. Not peacefully. You were in bombers. Yes, we were in bombers. Security agents were doing their work, which mm -hmm. is blocking the hired goons or whichever goons were trying to come in and ensuring your safety. That's why Dennis Dumbi was Correct. not kidnapped. Mm. Okay. So things were working. Things were working. So the security was working, it was, supposed, it was doing what it was supposed to do, which is ensure safety of bombers. Mm -hmm. The commissioners and the staff of the IABC were working, which is receiving the... Receiving and, uh, you and, know, in and, tandem and, and telling. All. Yes. And recording the, the results mm -hmm. and reading out to the people. Yes. Why is the mischief? The mischief essentially is what you saw. 
There's only one gazetted center to report presidential elections by law. It's not Serena. The disagreements that came, according to the um, uh, Chebukati affidavit, was that it afforded us in interior details of the dealings that were designed to subvert the will of the people. And this is what Chebukati came and testified at the tribunal. And not just him, Commissioner Gulu, Molu, and the rest testified that Irene Masit and the rest of the other commissioners had accepted the invite by ENSAC and others to subvert the will of the people. That is serious mischief. The other mischief that we saw, and I told you that prior to the counting day, they wanted to stop the counting process. They wanted to stop the announcement, the announcement process at the end of the day. You saw yourself, um, Azimio agents were on the floor, stealing gadgets and running amok and doing many of those things. There was a lot more that was going outside. It was helter-skelter with GSU. They had deployed over about 100 uh, goons mm. to come and stop the process. That is serious mischief. The police deployment itself at that particular time in Bomas was designed to fail. There was no proper command system, command and control system at the end of the day. Getting into Bomas, privilege was more Azimio than anybody else. A lot of that is mischief. And I'm saying uh, the Dennis, access... You're, you're, you're contradicting yourself because you've said security was tight security was I, I working did, now you're saying no i did not say security was tight. i told you at the end of the day let me tell you something from a security perspective if your command and control is loose then you have goons all over the place when you see yourself running helter skelter in a national asset like that it means that your your, your control was not good number two if people are in bombers and they cannot leave to go to the toilet in bombers because they'll be subject to kidnaps then that is not uh, security security is not tied at the end of the day if we couldn't leave to go and have a meal outside the restaurants uh, you know some I can because tell you, you were fearing for your life we were warned and we were fearing and the place was porous were you prevented from going to these places yes by the goons by the police by gsu who by um a security advisory came and i said please uh, for as long as you're not uh, from this side just remain inside until we deal with the situation. Where did so, security advisory come from? Um, from? From the security on the floor. So essentially what happened is, is, is simple. Is that they needed to deal with an issue that they had lost control before. And because essentially shocking is that a lot of these people came in as accredited people. But they were not essentially coming to do the counting or the tallying or anything of the sort who accredited them uh you know political parties apply i mean they can they but can who accredits the they IABC. submit a list so ibc accredits okay so they submit a list the list can be anybody at the end of the day they don't just know what like that is was there. just yeah he's not a, an official of the political party he is not an agent of the political I party i was an invite of the media you so are, i had gone there to do my analysis so as you're there as as invited as by the media yes and you got your accreditation to get yes. there and nobody can call you a goon no because they don't know how you got there i mean i did not go there to destabilize i did not go there to kidnap anybody I essentially when they was anybody kidnapped anyone that you can mention or people whom you know or who are there were people kidnapped do we have reports and evidence that people were actually kidnapped people were subject to being kidnapped two What's of the boys would allow me not to mention their names 
and this is on file and on police records two of them left to go to, to UDA agents by the way mm. left to go to the car by the time they left um, one of the doors or access doors from bombers mm. to their car they were kidnapped blindfolded and they found themselves in a location um, that essentially they were not supposed to be there and whoever who was ransacking them and ransacking the bugs is a senior politician in this country at the end of the day so these are facts that are there they're mm. on record a lot of these affidavits are available uh, but so the majority your, of this your issue mm -hmm. at that point your your issue was um lack of proper command and control by the security agencies my issue was uh, lack of uh, proper vetting by the iebc in accreditation of the people who are accessing bombers did you have an issue with the conduct of officials of the iebc and the conduct of the commissioners the seven of them of the iebc yes at that point when you're observing you'll be surprised that um, the commissioners accused were the ones in charge of security okay. from a commission perspective but however let's take a break my we, we continue after this right. 26 minutes to nine dennis ndumbi is our guest today he's one of the people who filed a petition uh, uh, seeking the removal of the four iebc commissioners popularly known as the cherera four all of them are now out of office three resigned irene masit um has left office after the recommendation of a tribunal that was uh, established to investigate them and the president has gazetted that the appointment and tenure of the uh, of office of irene masit as member of iebc has been terminated of course she still has days and she's it's reported that she's mulling um whether to actually seek um court intervention on the conduct of the michelle commission okay so we talked to dennis to understand what he saw what he felt at bombers he was in bombers he tells us and that's what we're seeking to understand you see when you talk about electoral justice it's got to start somewhere and it has to head somewhere this is the situation room the only way to start your day the conversation continues with the reverend dennis ndumbi who is a um, politics governance and security uh, commentator and he's here because he's one of the people who filed a petition seeking the removal of the four commissioners of the iebc now those four have been removed from no one has been removed from office three resigned from office and dennis is here saying you filed that petition because you'd like things never to happen the way you saw them happen in absolutely. 2022 absolutely do you think all those things that you're talking about there was before the election you say allegations of voter bribery vote suppression do you think they impacted the outcome of the election do you think sorry do you think they impacted the outcome of the election uh yes they did uh, essentially we had an election that seemed like um, apathy was the worst since independence mm -hmm. essentially the voter turnout wasn't good and the reason why the voter turnout wasn't good was because when you look at the aspect of apathy itself is that people really never come to vote uh, to vote they don't believe uh, that political outcomes will change their state of life when they're hungry especially when they're starving mm. but essentially part of the reason why uh, the voter turnout was law is not because of apathy mm. it's because it was deliberate suppression of through how did that happen um buying of ids mm. you know one id was four thousand five hundred 
Uh, we have this evidence at the end of the day mm. i know where exactly it was it was and you happening. say it was so widespread that it actually uh, affected the outcome of the election i'm telling you there was almost about 10 billion shillings that were released for this exercise and it was extremely widespread are you calling One, to question the so, integrity of the election you know those words that i use <coughs> free fair credible transparent no those ones essentially uh, the election was free and fair was as the supreme court conducted was it transparent but they were absolutely transparent was it credible it was very credible uh, the outcome was excellent what i'm saying is that there were kenyans who were denied the right to vote because the prevailing economic circumstances and hunger circumstances in the country they chose to sell the ids for 4500 and the chiefs the administration system was being used for this some of them uh, political leaders is an electoral offense. offense it's an electoral offense and, and if it is so widespread then it calls to question the credibility of that election not the credibility of the elections you know the election is basically if the election the the election is has not an widespread event on the day malpractice alone. if now, there was widespread malpractice as you allege then you're basically alleging that the credibility of that election comes to question no, the as does then no. the credibility of the IEBC over all. whom the chairmanship of one man who you claim to be the hero of the election then also comes into question mm. because we cannot look at an election as the 9th of August alone there are processes which lead up to this election and there are certain things that are put in place to enable an election to take place on a particular day now if you are saying that certain things happen to preclude this from happening on said day it brings the entire process not into question not, yes it does no it, it's not true now um the outcome of the election is specified by the integrity and the fidelity of the voting processes mm-hmm. now i'm not putting in question in the voting processes what happened within the polling stations was a1 the transmission was a1 the opaqueness was not there as it was judged and ruled in 2017 um the essentially what i'm saying is that there were kenyans who are not afforded the right to vote so that means the right to vote at the polling station was no, not it, a1 it did not happen at the polling station you put the integrity people did not access the polling station no it's not an access look if they were denied uh, the opportunity to vote that means they, they, were, denied, they, were, they were denied access when you went to the polling station nobody denied you access that's because you had the opportunity if to I'd vote already by sold my vote if you sold your vote you would not be at the polling because station because i'd been forced by circumstances as you're saying it was a clearly manipulated plot and clearly designed scheme then to make sure that i get to a point where if somebody came to me with some money i'll take the money and give them my, my essentially give my voting right uh, the maxim of an integral selection is mapped and i agree with you that there are offenses uh, in terms of uh, vote buying and whatever it is that there is you can't vote without the id true so it doesn't have to be essentially an electoral process okay they use the kazi kwa vijana mm-hmm. to say that if we owe you money for a year we haven't paid you for a year you have to leave your id behind so that we can process your payments mm-hmm. and they never gave back those ids mm-hmm. you understand mm-hmm. 
but also they were deliberately buying ids mm-hmm. three weeks prior to the election okay this was known information dennis i must ask you this, this is before you okay, so hold this on is please i must ask you yes if this was known by you who you say you know your citizen concerned and analyst are you saying then that at this time when these things were going on the iebc who is responsible for delivering the process and the event of an election on the day did not know about this and if they did why then are they not being brought to question about not raising the flag on some of these issues did they know as well or was know. it a secret at that time i have no did idea it, did it only come out after the fact when did this because this is a serious allegation mm-hmm. if these things actually happened and it was known to dennis and ct and Ndu, people who could see and know and the iebc knew about it maybe as well and did not bring it up how then can we say that a credible election was held the process which you've just admitted to as well the process how can we say that the whole thing was credible if the iebc knew about such serious offenses and said nothing about it well essentially as i said uh, is that um uh, the credible election is known by certain standards and those standards are, are prescribed by law if you decide to sell your id and it's not on the voting day it's not part of the process that is an offense you and the one who bought the id are essentially committing a malpractice in any way in any day but everything that happens in a polling station the processes and the procedures are supposed to be open and that is the maxim based on the john gidongo case that we know that a credible election has been done everything the tabulations and whatever it is whether it is 10 people who show up of course it's a threshold there's um you the presidential um, a candidate need to meet a certain number of counties and a certain number of percentage at the end of the day but based on what happens at the polling station that is the beginning and the end of an of presidential election whatever happens there then is what is transmitted to the national the election Dennis, the election. What I'm saying is this. The election is an event. From the moment the IEBC gazettes the date of the election, the election process is on course. And that is why the IEBC is very clear. If you commit an electoral offence, you are committing an electoral offence. If you bribe voters, if you participate in uh, voter suppression, if you participate in intimidation or violence against electoral officials if you did any of those things you're committing an electoral offense an election is in effect if you have suppressed and you're saying that a sufficient number of voters were suppressed and i asked you do you think it impacted the outcome and you say that unequivocally you said yes it impacted the outcome it was impacting the outcome of the election that means not a credible election credibility no, 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 no. uh those are words you're putting in my mouth uh, which one? what i that say impact the impact of the election um i told you that um what it impacted was the number of kenyans that are supposed to come and vote the number of kenyans essentially who would have voted this time round um there was a sizable drop in those number of kenyans at the end of the day mm-hmm. uh, this did not affect the processes that define a prudent election by all means now 
she asked me about whether or not that IBC knew. I don't work for IBC, so I wouldn't know. Mm. And that's the reason why I wanted for the tribunal for Chebukari to come and say himself as IBC mm. what he knew on that particular day mm. and which he came and testified. He was the last tribunal witness. For us to know the extent at which there were malpractices, a commission of inquiry has to be put through by the president. And that is when because the tribunal only focused on the removal of office. And even based on that removal of office, there was a lot of truths that were spoken that are part of the tribunal, Muchalil uh, tribunal report. Mm -hmm. But for us to bring in all players and then gauge and size the kind of criminal capability and criminal threshold that was perpetuated holistically before the elections, during the elections and after the elections, an inquiry, mm. a commission of inquiry has to be put in place. And this is something that has voiced that the president needs to put this in place because there are a lot of things that happen that shouldn't, shouldn't be happening. There was, the con constitution was contravened uh, quite incredibly by players who wanted to um, basically institute a coup and subvert the will of the people and move this country from legal thresholds into political thresholds where the country is on fire and politicians have to discuss working with nations that have gone into this space and i've worked with about two or three nations is that politicians usually get comfortable and they don't want to get the country back to its legal threshold because they will lose the money they will lose the power they will lose deals they will lose a lot of these things so the population remains in squalor while the politician is benefiting at the end of the day and it starts from gentleman's agreement uh, and, and I, ref, I refer you to a station uh, to, to a nation like uh, South Sudan. Mm. South Sudan has been transitioning for years. They only had one year of peace. And after that, essentially now is, I think the last two years is when they put in a transitional government in place and they have a transitional uh, uh, assembly, uh, you know, um, assembly at the end of the day. Mm. But when you look at it, is that we were not able to recover fully. And that is the reason why I petitioned. But I'm saying, the question you're asking is critical. We can only know that when a commission of inquiry is put in place. But the threshold of an integrous election is now what we call res judicata, has been fully judged by the Supreme Court. If anybody wants to know whether the election was integrous or not, whether the counting, the tallying process was good, Supreme Court dealt with that matter judiciously. It's a matter that has been settled by the courts. And we can only refer. Yes, they did. Because what was put in question was, was that. And, and they exhausted that aspect. And they said, did, again, you know what? Did they? Yes, it, yes, they did. Yes, they did. What was not discussed by the Constitution, and this is something that was, was brought into the tribunal, was the conduct of the four commissioners mm -hmm. is something that uh, uh, the Supreme Court did not um, uh, did not do. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why based on the relevant articles of the Constitutional Petition Parliament, Parliament then based on Article 251, asked the President to put together a tribunal. And mm -hmm. tribunal essentially afforded fair hearing mm -hmm. um, uh, for Masit. The rest of them immediately I put this tribunal through. They decided to resign rather than contest. But unfortunately, out of all my 16 charges, uh, Masit never responded to any. In fact, I was wondering, the, the, Masit's counsel only came for uh, cross-examination. 
he never responded to anything masid never filed anything back never challenged anything at the end of the day and all those then were accepted as true it was just maybe for show or camera but i never received anything back none of it was challenged so you negate your right to fair hearing and all you want to come and do is question whether is your white hair real or you die you know it's it has nothing to do with with the very serious charges uh, uh, that are getting out of office is that know? the only interpretation that can be given to the matters that uh, occurred during this tribunal the interpretation that you're giving us which one that masit neglected or negated the opportunity she had for actually presenting her case fairly she did present her case fairly but she she refused to challenge all uh, the allegations none of them uh, council never reverted to anything have we in this country During, ever uh, ever had a situation similar to this one yeah. where people who are charged with ensuring that the conduct of an election goes through in the manner that is determined and prescribed by law have we ever had a tribunal bringing about such an issue to the public no this is the first one precisely so yeah. when you talk about the insecurity and the matters that were before us at bomas and all the things that happened mm -hmm. and everything that took place mm -hmm. and the outcomes have we ever had such a situation before in this country the hmm? last the uncertainty the insecurity the the the, the when you look at um, both the cligra and the waki report they have exhausted majority of those happenings and i told from 1997 okay. 2007 all the way to 2022 we've always had these issues and it has happened two ways that those who lose never accept they've lost judiciously and then the, uh, the the electoral commission is accused of malpractices that has always been uh, been the case and essentially what i wanted to mitigate when you realize when you look at um, uh, masit was taken to court before and the judge um, mentioned something and he says if i remove now we will then disturb the uh, the quorum uh, but her matter on whether she's competent enough was adjudicated by the court but the judge re, re, um, did not remove her because of quorum issues and it was already constituted but you can see attraction on the fact that based on waki the waki report and based on the cligra report we then formatted independent electoral and boundaries commission in its own independence and it tried two things its independence and the security of tenure of commissioners how then what we were dealing with before before anyone could tell you but Reverend, uh, how do we talk about independence when every time we want to form a commission the very process of determining who is in that commission is brought to question i agree with you and that's the reason why so where even now the political process is never really far from the formation of this but then the argument about complainants you see the pattern that you speak of is clear but then it was disturbed in 2017 because then the complainants were found to actually have an issue that the court felt was adequate and we went for a re-election what am i saying can we perhaps interpret everything that you've said and say that these are the processes these are the throws these are the happenings 
that we can chalk down as being details of Kenya finding its path to democracy or a democracy that they can describe as their own. All these things, because we say we are in a democratic process and everything that is happening, if we take your argument, with every process we seem to learn something and we seem to find ways of improving. So everything in submission is just a description of how Kenya has gone through the processes of determining its own democratic path. I agree with you. I agree with you fully. Um, the danger would be for us to negate to do this advancement. The danger would be for us to negate to challenge any darkness whatsoever. And it remains a status quo. Mm. One of the things that I found extremely rigorous is the turn of office. I never knew that getting someone out of office is this <laughs> difficult and expensive and painful. You almost feel as a complainant that justice is being delayed. Don't you and think it, that is actually assuring independence of the office? It is. But I realize that true independence is based on self-governance, the integrity of the soul and the heart of man. Mm. If you can be in an independent commission, but you're not independent, you can be in the media, the fourth estate that has been birthed from uh, the freedom of speech, from the Bill of Rights. But at the end of the day, you're not independent, you know. So it depends if, if we don't have self-governance. You can be in any commission and you're not independent. Mm. And then so what happens is that you disturb the balance of that independence because you can be bought by anyone. Mm. One of the things I need to say is that you said something critical. The selection process has been mad and segmented. And that's the reason why the amendment that happened in Parliament the other day was to respond to the judgment of Judge Murima, who said, if you don't amend the selection process, you will always not have an independent commission because a certain majority of politicians can decide to bring in commissioners who are on their side. But now when you look at the current constitution of the selection panel, it is extremely difficult for you to bring commissioners of your choice as four, a politician. Four people are politicians. Two from parliament, two from political parties. Mm. Those are four politicians. I can tell you one thing. Uh, 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 those people don't agree with each other. Okay. They don't agree. When and you put, if, if when you put four politicians mm. in one room, you will have four opinions, not one opinion. In this country, you yes. have one opinion. No, no, no. It's not as easy. And I'm telling you the truth. Okay. Yeah. But essentially, it affords us. There's progression, as he said. There's progression. We don't have a segmented selection panel as we did. Mm. And based on, the, on, on that fact, is that we are likely now to get better uh, commissioners. And if those commissioners repeat what mm. the four commissioners did, we will still have them. How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.